Hey everyone, this is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 326. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 211, Howl. And it's nice to have Night Vale back after uh, like six weeks, I guess. Uh, something like that, yeah. It feels like it's been a lot longer though. And this was yeah. a good, I think this was a good little short story to come back to. A character yeah. that I think we've heard of before, but we hadn't really spent any time with before. No, no. And also it was co-written with Brie Williams, who we always love. She yes. always does write a really satisfying story, I think. Yeah, and a lot of these tiny little details about life in Night Vale just almost seen from a completely different angle. Yeah, yeah. So we start out and the news is the mascot for the Sheriff's Secret Police barks on we. He has been committed, and not the good kind of committed. Oh, he's committed a lot of crimes, and he's been committed to the psych ward of the Night Vale General Hospital, which happens to be in the old Surgeon Center, because they had a brand new psych ward designed. And I think the town council paid for this beautiful model of what it was going to look like, but the model was all that they could afford, so they just had to put him in an unused building somewhere. Yeah, it was an unused surgical center in Night Vale, because there are no surgeons in Night Vale, but we're told there's plenty of surgeries in Nightville, just no surgeons. I'm like, Bleh. So we see the day start from Barks on Wee's point of view, and it starts with him having a very, very restless night of not much sleeping because Barks on Wee feels like the weight of the safety of Nightville is on him all the time. And and Barks kind of tends to think in terms of balls, like, you know, the dark gray ball of gloom or the red ball of cooperation, that sort of thing. Yeah. But he's trying to do a good job but he's just he's really tired all the time and now he's finding out he might get replaced at his job yeah and this is the thing i'm not sure i really realized this barks on we is a cartoon mascot he exists in kind of like a digital environment and you know he travels through the static to get to work yeah i thought something was up when they talked about how he had a badly drawn aspirin in a cup of coffee i I heard that too (laughs) yes exactly so yeah there's a lot of him sort of traveling in between like a digital world and the real world but he gets to the station where he's going to be recording some new lines for a new psa i think and he meets up with deb the sentient patch of haze and apparently uh, some time ago the two of them had a date yeah they almost hooked up i mean they thought better of it when they left the uh, bar afterwards but yeah he still kind of has some feelings for deb but deb is like wanting to talk to him she's the one who tells him that he's probably going to be replaced because he's not playing ball both figuratively and literally apparently the sheriff sometimes likes to play ball and Barks isn't doing it. Yeah, no, and he wants to get more information from her, but she's called back to the you know uh, studio for another take on something, and we go straight from there to the sponsors, which is actually read aloud by Deb the Central Patch of Hayes. Yep, and the sponsor this week is Dollar Tyrant, and Dollar Tyrant is making your life easier because it's destroyed all the other discount stores, so you won't have to worry about making choices. Yeah, that seems a little too on the nose right there. Every time I hear about some big buy it, did you hear that Amazon is possibly going to be buying Roomba? I just, we're probably going to get to a point where it's like three companies, one of them being Disney, owns the whole entire world. Yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, so after that little uh, sponsor, we uh, hear the news, and that is KQQQ Channel 2. They're upgrading to a digital format. It should be perfectly fine for the viewers. There's not going to be any problems at all. Um, that's just how 
TV stations work, I suppose? Yeah, but we go back to Barks, and he is going to be affected by this change because Barks' ennui lives in analog static. And I don't know what that means, but apparently mm-hmm. replacing everything with a digital system is going to mean that he's evicted from his home. Yeah, he can live in a lot of different environments, but he really loves just the comforting feeling of being in static. And so he's just sitting there, and he's definitely distraught. And two words just sort of come to mind. Lenny Laserdisc. Lenny was the mascot for the video rental place, I believe, some yep. time ago. Yep, the old video store. Um, he had a whole bunch of slogans like rewind and re- or regret or rewind or repent. And one point it was rewind or reptiles, which doesn't sound so bad, but apparently people who experienced it might not be able to tell you too much about it because they don't have much of their tongues left. <laughs> so... Barks and Lenny, I guess, used to be kind of close because they were the only two cartoon mascots in Night Vale, but they haven't spoken to each other in years. Uh, Lenny is apparently a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, he doesn't really care for this new digital tower that's coming up. Apparently, there's going to be this whole antenna farm coming up, and it's going to be like sending out signals, bringing in signals. It's a public safety hazard, and he wants Mm -hmm. to do something about it. But first, we have a PSA from Audubon, and uh, the PSA is... If you see a bird nesting, give it some space because you don't want to crowd it. Um, If you see it eating carrion, don't look too closely because you might be asked to identify the remains and you'll have to answer a whole bunch of questions. And you probably don't even want to know what they're talking about when they say if a bird comes at you with blazing eyes because you've only got 48 hours to wrap up all your business and then that's it. Yeah, I all I wrote down about that whole section was basically, um, watch out for the birds. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Barks tracks down Lenny to talk to him. He has to go through late night infomercials and fast fast food advertisements and he finally meets up with him and that's when Lenny's telling him about the public service hazard with the new antenna farm and so they come up with a plan to put subliminal messaging in a late night program that will get people to go and destroy the new TV tower and they decide to go ahead and move forward with that. And Barks Ennui does exactly that. He has it going through like what ends up being the secret police's favorite TV program. Mm -hmm. So it means they catch him instantly and he gets arrested and charged with several thousand counts of psychological assault. And that's when he gets put in the psych ward, which for him is the footage from a CCT camera. So the only thing he can see is like this ever-changing view of the room, the room the staircase, the exit door, the room again. So yeah, that, oh, that's rather creepy image right there. Yeah, but there was also some really great wording at one point. I believe it was at one point, the green light on the exit sign was like the fuzz on a new tennis ball. <laughs> Once again, it's always going back to ball metaphors. But something about <laughs> that particular line I really liked. But um, then Cecil says, okay, so we're going to go to a word from our sponsors. Deb? Deb? Stab. That's weird. Well, let's go to the weather. Let me go to the weather. <laughs> Which is very folksy. It mm-hmm. was, it starts out with a guitar cello background yeah. that seems yeah. really like on a, a minor key, maybe with a little bit of discord to it, whatever. It was just very happy, but almost ominous at the same time. And then the yeah. singing, I couldn't, I didn't quite catch all the lyrics, but I just, I like this one. Yeah, we were definitely bopping along to that one. It was Park Bench by Paul Mira. I liked it. I wrote down like folk with a teeny little bit of country in there, but I definitely had like cello, fiddle, and guitar. Yeah. It was nice. I liked it. Uh, Breaking news. 
Barks on Wee has escaped. Barks on Wee has been part of the secret police's training manuals for literally years, so he knows how to keep away from them. But the way he actually escaped was a drifting patch of haze interrupted the electrical signal in the CCT camera where he was being kept. Huh, I wonder who that was. I have no idea. But yeah, he basically kind of got through a short-circuited thing and escaped out of a broken EKG machine. And then... I don't know. It's like he's kind of gone into the real world, sort of, but he's all about exploring all of these sounds and smells in Night Vale. And he just, he seems so much more at peace. Yeah, it's, he no longer has to worry about whether people are committing crimes or trying to figure out what people are doing wrong. Now he can just investigate anything he wants to. And one of the things he really likes investigating are all of the trash cans behind the restaurants in Nightville. That's right. And while he's going through and looking at all these things, he he feels like Cecil's kind of like sort of pondering about maybe he's doing this, maybe he's doing that. Maybe he feels on his paw the touch of a tendril from a drifting patch of haze. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's so, so sweet. sweet. I didn't even know I shipped those two until this episode. Yeah, nope, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just like, I'm into it. That's fun. But yeah, that's just, I don't know. That's pretty much the wrap up of the episode, except for the fact a weird little bit about how a flock of gilded pariahs has nested in the old decommissioned TV tower. They're, I guess, endangered. Um, their biggest danger to them is themselves because they destroy their own environment. Yes, they so, destroy oh their own environment and eat each other's eggs. Yep. <laughs> but okay. apparently they're very pretty. So uh, Cecil and Carlos are going to be taking their son Esteban to go see the birds this weekend. Aww. Very cute, but yeah, that was pretty much it. That was the end of the episode. Stay tuned for a triumphant howl and the clatter of garbage cans in the street. I just Aww. love the the poetry they come up with in this show. It's so it was neat. Great. Very fun episode and a really good standalone episode, too. I think all of Brie Williams' episodes are always really great standalone They episodes. are. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. need a huge amount of background because a lot of times she's telling it from the point of view of a character that hasn't maybe gotten explored all that much. Yeah, yeah. And this is a really great one. So, And once again, all these details, like how Barks on We lives in the static and how he travels through different commercials to find things. And I'm just like, I love it. That's great. So that's all for Night Vale for this week. We wanted to mention real briefly, uh, Catherine, you had sent me a text at one point saying, okay, yeah, this movie I highly recommend. Yeah, it's the movie Archive. I think it came out Mm -hmm. in 2020. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I had never heard of it before, but it popped up on Amazon Prime as a recommended one. And I took a look on IMDb and it was fairly highly rated. So I uh, wanted... Yeah, like in the like in the sixes, which yeah. to me is always just like, yeah, that's that's like a, it's a solid movie. It may not be the best thing you've ever seen, but it's certainly not embarrassing. Well, I find that a lot of the movies that I really like tend to be rated in the sixes, which I guess means oh, that I kind of like stuff that not a whole bunch of other people like. So maybe that means I've just got exclusive taste. Well, I got to tell you, I when I went on a date at one point to uh, the Sam Raimi film, Drag Me to Hell, that one had like a rating in the eights, which oh, I was like, really? oh, that's really good. Yeah, it's the Sam Raimi fans. They were the ones who rated oh, it so Oh, they're, they're very fierce, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. So yeah, no, you're right. A six is a perfectly acceptable rating. And I was just amazed that except for the fact that I had saved a picture of the poster back in 220 in my Instagram saved things. I guess I saw it and thought it was interesting. I'm like, oh, I should look at this two years later, and I hadn't. Other than that, this movie has not crossed my radar at all. Nope, nope. I don't know that I've even... 
there's like maybe one or two tertiary actor, tertiary characters that I've seen in other things before. Otherwise, nope, haven't heard of anybody in this, hadn't heard anything about this. And I liked it, but I keep finding reasons for why, you know, maybe I wouldn't like it. Like it has all the tropes. I mean, oh, yes. friggin' all the tropes. This is basically three tropes in a trench coat, the plot of this movie. But that's what makes it so fun because you're just like, oh, I know what they're doing here. And they just do it really. It's fine for it to be a trope. It's a trope because people like it and recognize it usually, but they just do it really, really well. And I love the design because, okay, the main plot is a scientist and he's secretly trying to build an android body to house the memories of his dead wife. He's basically going to try to hack her out of this, you know, afterlife sort of program where her memories are being kept so you can talk to the dearly departed. Yeah, he's going to try to steal those out of there and put them in a robot body. And I loved the design because he keeps building newer robots, androids, to try to improve things. Instead of improving on the first one, he'll just build a second one that's better. But Mm -hmm. all of them have a little bit of his wife's memories. So all of them get to be heartbroken when he decides he's moving on to the next one. Even though it seems like he's a nice guy and he's not trying to be hurtful. But at the same time, yeah, he is actually replacing his affections for them with somebody else that he's also building. I mean, well, I don't don't want to spoil anything because I think people would really like to watch this. Yeah, yeah. But it is... It is uh, the design of the robots is very appealing. I actually thought uh, number two robot. I was just like, well, that'd make a heck of a cosplay right there. It would. Yes. I love that because it's like, you know, the first one is like almost entirely a box with legs. But the second Mm -hmm. one has a little bit of articulation and the sound effect uh, for how they do the robots voices is really cool. I like that as well. So, yeah, it's just a well-made movie that I had literally never heard of. Yeah, yeah. I read a review at one point of somebody who was disparaging it, and I just, I guess they just felt that it was too tropey, I suppose. But I'm like, oh, my God, lighten up. This is like... The main actor, I believe he was one of the main actors in the Divergent series. That's what I recognize him from, because I believe I watched the first movie on a plane. Mm, That's really (laughs) all I know about that. But I I thought, I mean, I thought the acting was all really good. The design is beautiful. They have like, I'm sure a lot of what we're seeing is like CGI stuff, but they do it so well where they just like, if it's a view outside, they deliberately make it kind of like, monochromatic and everything. It's almost like it hides any kind of unreality in the way they've stylized it. I just thought it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I thought they did. I mean, they were think the ending, of course, surprised me. I didn't think yeah. they were going there. You could almost call that another trope, but I didn't care because I wasn't expecting it. So that no, nope. therefore that made it good. And yep. you just I mean it was And it's all such a sweet story because the guy obviously loves his wife and just can't let her go. Another trope. But and yet Mm. in a way, it's, you know, if it had been darker and meaner, it could have been a Black Mirror episode. But I feel like there's a little bit more heart involved in it to actually work as a Black Mirror episode. I actually mentioned that to my friend Wade because I was talking to him when I had only, I'd finished like maybe three quarters of it. And I said, it's like a combination of Black Mirror and Ex Machina, but way kinder than those two. Yeah, yeah. It just, it's really very, and of course the design on the most advanced of the androids, I thought was very well. Not just her voice, but her, the the face paint and everything, and how they did her. And yeah, and the fact that she, you know, you because you need to hint that she's, you know, assembled. They have like the little 
seams running along her hands and along her face in various places. And it's just like, ooh, I could do that in face paint. Yeah, really very surprising movie, you know? I'm just, I'm really disappointed in myself that I hadn't even known it really existed. I'm like, this is a type of movie that I like. Yeah, this is a type of movie I like, but I think the reason why we didn't know that it existed is I don't think anybody was advertising for it at all. I mean, it might have been because it was like in the midst of COVID, so it really didn't get a big release. But really, have not heard anything about it. I'd be amazed if most of our listeners have even heard of it as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's only, if you go into the trivia, I think it's got like two entries in the trivia. I'm like, well, that's no fair. Yeah, I was about to say that the people in the IMD trivia are fierce, and they usually just pile in all the obscure stuff. No, not not a whole lot. No, no, no. I did want to mention that uh, Joshua Kay, one of our super fans of the podcast, he actually got in touch with me when I was waiting for the trolley going to Comic-Con. And he had a theory that people got really upset in the final uh, Star Wars movie about how there was like all this healing thing that was going on with Mm -hmm, the Force. mm -hmm. And they're just like, yeah, we really hadn't seen that before. But he pointed out that it had been shown before. It was just in a parallel universe because E.T. had obviously Force powers and healing powers. And there were representatives like E.T. representatives you could see in one of the prequels in the big like Senate chamber and everything. Oh, yeah. There was, yeah, one of the cars actually had the E.T. alien in there and so that's what it was it's like so basically et is a jedi and there was like a a much longer conversation but just to say it real briefly i'm like you know what i'd buy all of that yeah i think so i mean you could say that the et's uh aliens were included in that shot as a joke but i also like to think of them as being canon now yeah no i think they are too i mean come on it's perfectly spielberg and lucas have teamed up and given us that and i'm like all right i'm good with it i'll take it (laughs) well the only other thing i wanted to mention is that the both of us finished re-watching Arcane just recently. That Man. that last episode hits me even harder the second time around than it did the first time because I was paying so much more attention to everything that's going on. Yes, absolutely. Because I think the first time around, I mean, I knew it was good, but I didn't realize it was quite so much of a gut punch. You yeah. Know? yeah. And that, that whole series is so much more than just a commercial for the video game. It's like some very detailed storytelling, some really good acting, some very good writing, and it's beautiful to look at. Well, I mean, I remember seeing Caitlin, you know, she's screaming up at the site of the missile headed towards the uh, the ruling body of Piltover. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, Jace is in there. But I just, I don't know why it hadn't even occurred to me until the second time around. Her mother's in that room too. Basically two of the people that she cares about the most in this world are about to be hit with a missile. Oh man, I cannot wait to see what they do in that. Because of course, Jace is like, I mean, you know, this big main character in the games and everything. I'm sure he's not going to be dead, but my God, that missile does not look like it's kidding around. No, and it was headed right for Mel for the looks of it. And I don't want her to go away because she's like, her character design is my favorite. I mean, that scene where she confronted her mother after her mother manipulated Jace into uh, leading an attack on um, Silco's uh, manufacturing facility. And just... They didn't take any shortcuts with anybody's expression in this series. I mean, just the way she shouts at her mother and shouts at her little uh, boy toy to get out of the room so she can shout at her mother some more. And just all of that was just... And I, the first time I watched that, because she knocks her mother's wine glass out of her hand and it knocks it, like splashes her little boy toy. And he just kind of looks up startled and she turns to him, leave. And he looks up at her mother. And I thought at first it was like, you know, him 
checking, well, can I leave? Because obviously he's going to take orders from her. But it almost the second time around looked like he was saying, are you going to let her get away with this? And she just kind of gestures him away. And she's like, mm, and he pouts his way out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. There is kind of like this like thing with his shoulders and his face. He's just like, seriously? You know, but it's just, just beautiful. I could just go on and on about all the things I caught the second time around. And man, that one scene when... Oh, it's um, when Jinx is setting up the flare and the music that is playing at that oh. moment and the spin around and seeing her dead friends behind her. Oh, and I'm like, geez. oh my God, I think, just beautiful. I think the ending of just about every episode is so mm. amazingly rewatchable, especially the ones that end with a battle. It's just, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, it's fun. If you go to Twitter, because I did this, and all I did was I typed in, I think I typed in Arcane second time, uh-huh. and it's all these people talking about watching Arcane for the second time. Oh, not, I've got to check just, that out. Yeah, not a hashtag. Just just type in Arcane second time, and I think it'll all pop up. But it's just somebody brought up the flare scene specifically. They're like, oh, God, I didn't think I'd be crying watching this the second time. <laughs> so, man, it's really, really good. And also, um, what I have been rewatching, I decided to rewatch Loki again. This is the third time through now. Wow. I haven't even done a second watch of it yet. Oh, wow. That third episode on Lamentus, when he and Sylvie are trying to run away from the apocalypse where an entire planet is about to crash into their planet, it just gets better every time I watch it. I mean, just from beginning to end, so good. And I've just... I keep coming back to that, that I didn't know what I wanted from this series when it was coming out. And I just, it was perfect. I don't know that I would really change a thing about it. Uh, Certainly just the one time I've watched it, I wouldn't, but oh man. Um, I saw uh, Brianna, who does, uh, Cherry Garcia, who Mm -hmm. does the arts. I saw her at San Diego Comic-Con. She had several prints for sale, but she didn't have any of the real kissy ones with Sylvia and Loki. If she had, I would have bought you one, but she didn't. So anyway, maybe we'll just commission her to draw some more schmoopy stuff at some point. Now, you said that you finished watching the third season of Umbrella Academy? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Okay, because I I just finished the episode in the first season where um, the police officer gets shot. Oh. uh, Diego's police officer friend. Yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing because I've been watching the series, and it's been like, wow, this is interesting. These are cool characters. This is a kind of cool show. And then after that episode, I was like, huh, this is now my comfort watching. This is now the sort of thing that I will set aside to watch in an evening for fun instead of needing to catch up with it. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe I'll get through it a little faster now. Yeah, I think... I kept changing my mind of what kind of a show it is. I mean, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of it now, but it does go all over the place. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's funny, it's serious, it's violent, it's sweet, it's got great music. I mean, that show is just, whoever picks the music for that show does a fantastic job. And every once in a while, there'll be a dance number. And it's like, it's not expecting like it happens in reality, I suppose, but it's still a dance number. So just (laughs) watch out for that. Yeah, I I saw the one where the two secret agents Agents wearing the mask had a little impromptu dance party while they were high as kites burning down a uh, manufacturing facility. And just Wasn't that fun? That was so fun. <laughs> I loved it. It was filmed so great and fire everywhere. I mean, it was just, <laughs> oh, so fun. 
But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. I still don't have Stephanie and Alex's photo galleries from San Diego Comic-Con. Hopefully we'll have those soon. I do have the interview that Lauren did of the creators of Solar Opposites and Koala Man. She did a full write-up of the entire interviews. And then we also have, I made it into a video, but it's the full audio. They weren't allowed to take video at this point. And I don't know that that's proprietary. I sort of felt that it was like, maybe the the people being interviewed just wanted to relax and didn't want to have a camera on them. And I'm like, hmm, I can see that. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. But we do have audio so you can hear all the people talking about it. So that's fun. Um, We also, the movie Prey came out, which is takes place in the Predator universe. And of course, because the main character who is fighting against the Predator is female, you have the usual trolls saying that they don't like it fine. Um, Apparently it's really good. Okay. Yeah. Hugh reviewed it and he loved it but it's kind of hard to take Hugh's word for it because he loves everything but Dyron his uh, username I think is Dyron Rises 1988 I think he's had some problems with Instagram lately so he had to recreate an account but Dyron reviews movies and he also reviewed it and gave it a glowing review and he had reviewed for us the 2018 Predator movie which he thought was god awful so Dyron (laughs) is not somebody who's going to say it's good if he doesn't think it's good so yeah um both of those reviews are up on the site. You can go check those out. And apparently we need to watch this movie. I think it's on Hulu. I've only ever watched the first Predator movie, the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh-huh. I don't think I've seen not any of the, the mashups with Alien, not the sequel, nothing like that. So, yeah. But I'll tell you what we do need to watch. We got to sit down and watch the Sandman TV series because oh, it's out so now. I know. I can't believe I haven't watched it yet. I almost am like... Everybody says it's good, but God, I'm so nervous because I'm like, no, you don't understand. It has to be really good or I'm just going to be so sad. (laughs) As much as I loved the Good Omens book, it doesn't compare with how I feel about the Sandman series. And I want it to be good so bad. And it's just, it makes me feel so much better that Neil Gaiman was very involved with Good Omens. And now he's really involved with the Sandman TV series. So he's he's got his hands all over this and he's proven that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he was really involved in the first season of American Gods, which... Oh, was he? I don't think I knew that. Yeah, and I I mean, I don't know how involved he was. I know he talked about being on set, so I know he was at least somewhat... I don't know how much involved he was in the next season, which I never watched because the showrunners left, and I'm like, oh, no, I know that doesn't usually go well. No, I'm thinking bad memories of West Wing at this point, and um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Dexter. Dexter. True Blood. Uh, Oh, House of Cards. ah. (laughs) But yeah, hoping for the best for Sandman. We will definitely be watching it and reviewing it, of course. All that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So next week, we will be doing Lore Olympus again. The first and second episodes of the third and final season of Lore Olympus. Cannot wait. Oh, boy. And I don't know what kind of a gap we'll actually be looking at because she's taking two weeks of vacation, but we've yeah. already got three episodes waiting in the fast pass right now so there might come a time when we'll have to have another um fan art post at some point but uh Mm -hmm. we've managed to keep up with our schedule pretty well so you know pat us on the back for that absolutely so and so that's what we'll be talking about including anything else that comes up in the nerd world maybe even some sandman Mm. one way or the other we will talk to everybody in one week talk to y'all later
And there are, sorry, let me try that again. Has making, oh God, let me try that again. The second and final season of Laura Olympus. Uh, third and final. Oh, sorry. Is it his third? It is third. Yeah. Damn it. Okay. 